Well, it's good to be back. It's Dr. Bill Jensen again with the Evolve Wellness Experience. And today's podcast episode is going to be talking about the truth behind chiropractic. Hot, hot topic here today. And the reason I thought it was important, obviously, is October, which a lot of people probably don't know, is Chiropractic Awareness Month, actually. And so we've been doing a lot of promos at the office this particular month. Uh, especially with our 12-year anniversary, uh, which is being celebrated back on October 13th. But today we're going to take a deep dive uh, into a, a lot of things that people probably don't realize about chiropractic. Um, and hopefully when we're done today, uh, via if you're watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast on the different medias that we do it on, uh, you'll have a little deeper understanding of chiropractic, how it really works, and some of the different benefits that you're going to get when you're under regular care. So enjoy. So I think one thing that I always do, uh, I'd like to give you just a little bit of background on my personal story and like why I became a chiropractor. I've you know been working now for 20 years in the industry. And one thing I know for sure is like everybody has a different story. Some people have no story. I have a lot of people that we've brought on board to work with us. And I said, how'd you get into chiropractic? Were you under care when you were a kid or at some point in your life? And they said, nope just kind of seemed like a cool job to do. And I wanted to work with athletes or do other stuff. Uh, but my personal story um, definitely is a little bit unique. So when I was nine, I was a wrestler, AAU amateur wrestling, and participated in a lot of other sports. But the, the wrestling is what got me into the biz, as it may be. And uh, so I was wrestling with my friend that was on the team at his parents' house, not even in practice or at a tournament or anything. And as we're horsing around in the living room floor, he gets me into a headlock and squeezed pretty tight. And I felt a pop in my neck and a super, super sharp pain. Uh, I think I yelled or screamed at that point and he let go. And then I tried to sit up, but I couldn't. And so... At nine years old, I don't really know that you really are aware of what paralysis is, and I don't even believe I was probably paralyzed, but I definitely did something pretty bad to my neck, and my body shut down on me. And then I remember within probably about, you know, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, something short, short, short period of time, um, I was able to sit up. My neck was sore, but you're nine. It's just an injury. No big deal. And, uh, you know, we hung out the rest of the day and it was a fine. So that week, though, when I went back to school, I was sitting in class and I vividly remember just sitting in class, you know, listening to the teacher talk. And then all of a sudden, like the the lighting within the room started to get extremely, extremely bright. It was like almost like, you know, I needed sunglasses and I couldn't figure out why there were halos all around the lights. And then little by little, I started to develop this like blinding headache that was behind my right eye. And so I went to the teacher and they sent me to the nurse and then my mom had to come pick me up. And then I remember just kind of having to be in my room because I was so sensitive to light. And, uh, you know, she gave me Tylenol, uh, you know, put a cold compress on my forehead, trying to get the headache to go away and, and nothing was helping. And then finally, like eight hours later, I started to get sick to my stomach and I was throwing up. And then within an hour after that, the headache went away. So again, thought, okay, that was weird, right? You know, it was a really bad headache, but it didn't put two and two together. And then within a few days, uh, I was out riding my bike, and then all of a sudden I came home at the end of the day, and I started to get a headache again, and then same exact scenario happened, sensitivity to light, cold compresses, Tylenols, um, and I had another bad headache, got sick to my stomach again, and the headache went away. Now, why getting sick to my stomach relieved the headache? I can't quite tell you. Uh, and then... It happened again about a week later. So now it's starting to be a kind of odd. You know, once is kind of, you know, no big deal. But when you're starting to string together headaches on a regular basis that are terrible in nature and, and causing such um, kind of, I guess I was worried. Um, my parents spoke to a neighbor. The neighbor happened to suffer from migraine headaches and she got relief from going to a chiropractor. So next thing I know, I'm going to some guy, I don't know who it is, and he's going to examine me. And sure enough, he goes right to my right side of my neck uh, and puts pressure on the bone in my neck. And if I felt like pain in my neck and it kind of shot up into my temple and my eye a little bit, it wasn't like a migraine, but I definitely felt pain like radiate up into my eye. He said, oh, yeah, um, 
you have a bone out of alignment at the third vertebrae on the right-hand side, and this is what's causing your migraines. Okay, we'll take, we'll take his word for it. He adjusted me. I didn't like it. Uh, but he said, come back in a couple days, rechecked it again, adjusted again. Uh, and I, I believe we went back a third time and then, and I wasn't getting any more migraines. They were gone and I was active and doing everything I wanted to do and no migraines were happening. So at, at nine years old, that's a big deal when you can resume normal activities, play the sports you love, be with your friends and you're not winding up, uh, in your bed for eight hours, throwing up into a garbage can next to your bed. So that was the point where I was like, well, I wanted to do something in medicine, but you know, chiropractic definitely was, was an influence on me. And then at that point, you know, later on, three years later, I moved to Western Montana, take up snow skiing. And all of a sudden these headaches start coming back again. Every time I would go skiing, cause you're wiping out on the slopes, you're going down the moguls. It's a really physical grueling activity. And I never put two and two together that it was the same problem that I had two years earlier because I'd went to the chiropractor, got three treatments and the headaches didn't come back. Well, we went back to the chiropractor because it helped before, and it was the same exact vertebrae. And what, what we found out, and, and now I understand, is once you sprain, and that's probably what happens, I sprain my neck, those ligaments are never tight. You sprain your ankle, you're more likely to roll that ankle over and over and over You know, as you're, as you're playing sports or doing activities like that. So I had an instability in my neck that I, that I got treatment for, and that resolved the symptoms, but only to the level where if I, you know, did something really physical in nature, it was going to aggravate the problem again. So now I understood really one of the first lessons in chiropractic is you don't just treat until the pain's gone and assume that everything's okay. You got to stabilize things, strengthen things. And so that you're going to not have recurrence of the problem again. So we got treatments, we did strengthening exercises, and uh, little by little, the headaches were gone again. I could go skiing, no headaches whatsoever. And then just throughout my middle school and, and high school, every time I got hurt, you know, playing football or doing anything, it was always just chiropractic was the, was the answer and the person that I always went to. Even when I lost use of my right arm for three months as a result of a traumatic neck injury that was separate and distinct from the other injury, um, and missed my entire sophomore season, uh, in high school football. So, um, you know, that was just the biggest influence to me. And, and so when I went to, to undergrad at the university of Minnesota and, you know, figured out what am I, what's my path going to be, uh, chiropractic was the answer to that. So that's why I'm here, uh, speaking to you today. Uh, I've been practicing now 20 years, two practices, as most of you know, and, um, want to continue to grow and, and help as many people as we possibly can. So being Chiropractic Awareness Month, we're going to dive into chiropractic, uh, a little bit of the history, just to give you some background. Um, an interesting fact, actually, as it pertains to uh, pandemics, uh, because chiropractic was involved in a pandemic a long, long time ago. And then we're going to, to dive into some of the neurophysiology research now that's coming out of Auckland, New Zealand, um, from a doctor named Heidi Havoc. And, uh, and that has really changed my perception of chiropractic because it certainly what we were taught in school and, and the story of chiropractic and how it works, um, is, is relevant, but certainly at the same time, things evolve, things change, new research and science comes out. And so we can't just look at any profession or anything that we're looking at with, uh, one lens, um, especially as new information arises. So we'll dive into that a little bit today. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the show and get something out of it. So, so chiropractic itself is a, is a relatively new um, profession as it pertains to medicine, because medicine's been around, you know, thousands of years, right? And chiropractic really has only been around a little over 100 years. Uh, but really the practice of adjusting the spine and bone setting actually goes back thousands of years. Uh, so you can actually find evidence of this style of practice with the Egyptians uh, 4,000 years ago. Um, the Greeks obviously used it as well. And so they used uh, spinal adjustments as a form of healthcare even back thousands of years ago. In fact, Hippocrates, the father of Western medicine, stated that physical structure is the basis of medicine, actually. Um, and he went on to de- uh, into great detail concerning the importance of having a good spine to having really good health. Uh, about 2,000 later, then Thomas Edison makes, you know, uh, one, of the, one of my favorite quotes of all time and said, you know, the doctor of medicine 
uh, the doctor of the future will give no medicine, but will interest his patient in the care of the human frame, in diet, and in the cause and prevention of disease. Um, and obviously, we know Thomas Edison was a pretty intelligent individual. Uh, the principles of chiropractic really then came into being about 1895. Um, D.D. Palmer, otherwise known as Daniel David Palmer, he opened the very first uh, chiropractic college in Davenport, Iowa. I don't know any other reason that you really want to go to Davenport, Iowa, other probably than you're going to go to school there, because uh, there's really not a lot going on in that town, other than maybe pheasant hunting. Uh, which we've done around the Iowa area on a regular basis when I was growing up in Minnesota. Um, but interestingly enough, when the swine flu pandemic occurred in 1918, at that point, um, the school itself was up like under the radar. Not a lot of people were going into it, uh, to chiropractic back then. Uh, it wasn't even legalized as a profession. So you literally, if you were practicing back then, you'd be practicing uh, really without a license because there's not a licensure going on back then. But what's very interesting, and it puts in things into perspective as we're dealing with uh, the pandemic that we're in right now, um, worldwide, the swine flu pandemic uh, infected nearly one-fifth of the total world's population. Uh, worldwide, 50 million people died in the world as a result of that pandemic. And in the United States, 500,000 Americans died. Uh, in 1918 as a result of that. Now, what's interesting is that in Davenport, Iowa, there were cases of the swine flu that were going on. And so statistically, I have it written down here, there were 50 medical doctors that treated 4,953 cases of people that had swine flu. Uh, 274 of those people died as a result of the swine flu. At the same time, in the same city, 150 chiropractors and chiropractic students treated 1,635 cases of people with the swine flu, and only one person died as a result of that. So what's interesting is that, so people ask me on a regular basis, you know, is a chiropractor a doctor? Uh, I suppose, I, I mean, we're classified as doctors or physicians, uh, I don't like to probably be coined as a doctor per se, personally, and I think a lot of chiropractors might give me a lot of flack for that because they think that we fought so hard in order to get that designation. But really, when I think of a doctor, I think of like somebody that deals with people that are sick and prescribes medications or performs surgeries or does stuff like that. And I really look at chiropractors like healthcare physicians, like weird, like trying to implement strategies and things into people's lives in order to make them healthy so that they don't have to rely on medications or surgeries or other drugs and interventions, and we want to promote a, a lifestyle. Um, so uh, that's kind of the designation and difference that I look at it like. But when we talk about this, you would say, well, you know, how can you possibly say that a person gets into chiropractic adjustment as a result of that gets over, you know, a flu or a viral type of infection? Well, what we, what we didn't we didn't know then, right, because we were like, well, you know, bone out of alignment pinches nerves and does this and that. But what we now know, actually, is that there are seven really good research studies as it pertains to immunity. And what we can say is that when you get a chiropractic adjustment, within minutes after you get that chiropractic adjustment, you have increased white blood cell activity. And as we know, white blood cell activity is going to be paramount as it pertains to fighting any type of infection whatsoever. Now, one, some chiropractors will say, well, there's never been a research study that shows that that makes you any less likely to get sick or get a cold or get over it. And I would agree with that. There has never been a study that shows as a result of getting the chiropractic adjustment and having increased white blood cell activity, that makes you less likely to get sick or get you over a cold or flu or illness faster. So that study definitely needs to be done. But we also know, and if you go back to my podcast when we talked about immunity, one of the most important aspects of immunity is uh, good lymphatic flow throughout all of your body because that gets rid of toxins and viruses. Uh, it shuttles uh, blood, uh, white blood cells and other immunoglobulins to other areas to fight off infection. And so we definitely know that that's a very, very important part of having a good immune system. And we also know that one of the main ways we get lymphatic flow is through proper respiratory volume throughout your chest. And we also know that chiropractic has been shown to improve uh, 
the ability for you to expand and contract your chest appropriately. And so you can put two and two together. If in increased uh, expansion of the thoracic uh, uh, spine and rib cage improves lymphatic flow, and we know that improved lymphatic flow leads to better immunity, then you can certainly see why some people may be getting benefit when they had the swine flu because their immune system's white, uh, white blood cell picked up and their ability for their lymphatic system to flow better improved as well. And so maybe that would be the reason why you saw one death when it pertains to getting chiropractic adjustments and getting over the swine flu versus taking medications or do things that are going to inhibit viral um, transmission or replication, but doesn't really do anything in order to enhance the immunity of that individual. And so what's an, another great quote is uh, BJ Palmer, who is D.D. Palmer's son, said, you have more faith in one spoonful of medicine than the power that animates the world. And so we have this innate ability to be healthy, and sometimes we just need to unlock that power for our body to express itself at a full potential. And so that's awesome. Interestingly enough, after that happened, word got out, and a lot of the people that got treatment from chiropractors and survived the swine flu immediately enrolled into uh, Davenport, Iowa's uh, chiropractic college there. And so it exploded. And that's where it really got on the map. And now if you look over the last 120-ish years that chiropractic has been a profession, uh, you have uh, over 100,000 chiropractors worldwide and 40 chiropractic schools in 16 countries. So uh, it's definitely one of the fastest growing professions in medicine uh, as we see right now. Now the main focus of chiropractic obviously is the spine. And I think a lot of people know that, but a lot of people still just really think, oh, I have neck pain, I have back pain, or some type of spinal pain, and that's why you go to a chiropractor, or you have a headache like I did, right? So that's what I always associated chiropractic with. But the, the reality is there's like so many more benefits to getting adjustments than just the relief of neck and back pain. Although when you compare uh, chiropractic care in the relief of neck and back pain compared to uh, physical therapy or um, acupuncture, and we have those services because there's so many things that are beneficial for. But when you talk like just straight up, I've got low back pain, what's the fastest, most efficient and safest way in order to relieve low back pain? Chiropractic outperforms any other modality hands down. And there's really, really good studies that show that, which is why most all insurances cover chiropractic these days. Medicare covers chiropractic these days. Um, so that's just behind the research and the studies. Um, but when it comes to what happens actually when you're getting adjusted and how the spine plays a role in your health, let's get back to the basics. So your spine made of spinal vertebrae, which are then connected um, via ligaments, muscles, tissues, separated by discs that are in between the vertebrae. Um, the spine uh, does a couple things. Number one, it protects your spinal cord. Pretty important. I realized that at nine years old when mine got like irritated or whatever happened when I was in that headlock. Um, so it's like an armor. But when you go underneath that armor, which is the spinal column itself and the spinal cord, I mean, there's a lot of activity neurologically going on in and around that spine, which we don't even realize. So you got messages that are traveling, you know, from certain neurons into the spinal cord, up the spinal cord to the brain, processed by the brain, brain interprets that, reacts appropriately, sends messages back down the spinal cord, out through the nerve roots and goes to every organ, cell and tissue in your body. This is what we refer to as life. We, we interpret our environment and we live our life through our nervous system. That's our memories, it's, it's, it's everything that we do. You can, there's not a single body process that you can't perform without neural input. So, and when you think about your spinal cord, one of the things that I always talk to people about, specifically patients that come into the practice, is think of your spinal cord like a highway, all right? So just like when you're driving down uh, in Florida here, I-95, all right, you got, you're running north and you're running south, right? So you got neural pathways in the spine running up the spinal cord to the brain, and you got neural pathways running out from the brain, you know, back down to the organ cells and ex extremities and et cetera. What's interesting is that we know, neurologically speaking, that 80% of the information that your brain receives from organ cells and tissues 
come from neurons in and actually around your spinal column. Uh, so it's very, very important. And in fact, what's more interesting is that the ratio of these fibers. So for every 40 fibers going into your brain, you only have one coming out. So let's think about uh, the highway scenario, right? So that's like going I-95 northbound in Florida. You got 40 lanes wide northbound, and you got one lane coming southbound. Now, that's pretty cool. What's that tell you? It tells you this. It's way, 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 way more important what your brain gets input, like the input your brain gets, than the output your brain gives. And you would think that's crazy because, I mean, your brain's, you got your heart beating and your lungs breathing and your kidneys filtering, all, all things that are vital, that, that if any one of those things goes haywire and stops or is not regular or improper, you die, obviously. But it just demonstrates the importance of the input that your brain is getting from your body. And more specifically, as we say, 80% of that input comes from your spine. So if you've got a dysfunctional spine for any reason whatsoever, and 80% of that communication is not adequate, and your brain is getting bad input from what's going on in your environment or in your body, how do you expect it to respond appropriately in order for things to function as close to 100% as possible? By the way, if you're wondering where does the other 20% come from, well, that's our sensory organs. So our eyes and our ears and our nose and our mouth and all of our other senses is the other 20% of input that gets into our brain. So a lot of people ask me on a regular basis, you know, I want to take supplements. Uh, you know, what do you take? And so that's a pretty common thing that happens about every single week. And although the list is certainly long and I don't uh, subscribe to one particular line in general, I will say that one of the ones that I go to on a regular basis is Kion, K-I-O-N. And they have really uh, a good base of general supplements I take uh, for health and wellness, uh, uh, longevity, immunity, uh, and you name it. So uh, if you go to getkion, that's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com, uh, we actually have a promo code that you can put in uh, when you uh, subscribe or you get any of their products, and it'll give you 15% off. And uh, so... That, that's what I would tell you to do is go to getkeon.com, put in Premier Wellness as the coupon code and get 15% off. They got great supplements, good multivitamins, good fish oils, uh, good stuff for immunity, which is important right now. So go to getkeon.com and enter promo code Premier Wellness for 15% off. So where do we get, where do we get into trouble? Well, People always ask me, you know, like, how do you get a bad back or how do you get a bad spine or, or, or what really happens? And so really it comes down to three, three things I always say. So if somebody comes into my practice and says, um, you know, I, I got low back pain. It started three days ago. I've never had it before. And, and, and then we take, you know, x-rays and we're like, wow, that, that problem's been there a while, like closer to 20 years rather than like three days. And they say, well, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I, I didn't have a trauma or I didn't do anything or I, you know, I didn't have pain 20 years ago. Well, it, it's like anything else. You know, a problem starts out small and it's probably unnoticeable and not symptomatic. But then as it gets worse and worse and worse and starts to get to a point where it's symptomatic, it's been there a long, long time typically at that point. And you see that across the board. Cancer is a great example. Most cancers are there for decades before they become symptomatic and the tumor is big enough um, or it's metastasized. So, you be, you know, you're not feeling well and you go to the doctor and it's stage four, right? So it's the same, same process. So three processes and how we get spinal problems. Physical, what are we doing? You know, do we sit? Do we walk? Do we in sports? Do we have injuries? Do you have car accidents? You fell? You know, what do you physically do day in, day out, every day of your life? Um, emotion. So we know that emotional stress can create tension. We know that stress uh, uncontrolled over time can lead to a heart attack. We know that stress uncontrolled over time can lead to ulcers. So certainly we know stress can affect us physically, even though it's a mental component of, of health. And then chemical. So chemical would be defined as uh, what you eat, lifestyle habits you choose, do you smoke, do you drink, do you chew tobacco, 
Um, are you, do you work in an environment which has hazardous pollutants or fumes in the air that you're breathing in all the time? You know, we know that chemicals can affect us physically. Um, you know, Roundup can cause cancer, right? Um, so yeah, so those are, the, those are the three things. So when you're um, under physical or emotional or chemical stress abnormally or just resisting gravity, that's a physical thing that we do every day, areas of tension can build up in the spine. Uh, it can restrict motion within the, the vertebrae themselves. And then as that stays there long enough, you can start to cause damage. And so what's interesting is that we talked about, you know, the spine gets 80% of its input to the brain, but how does that do that? And so one of the ways actually is movement. So a lot of people associate muscles. You know, you think of your bicep or your tricep or your pec or your shoulder, right? And, and those muscles primarily move you, but there are certain muscles in and around the spine that are just sensory. So there's little tiny muscles in between the vertebrae, and essentially all they do is give input to your brain, says, here where they are in space. Are they moving left? Are they moving right? Are they bending forward? Are they bending back? And so that gives you input about your, about your position uh, in your environment and where you are. Um, but they also carry vital nerve root messages from the organ cells and tissues back to the body to let them know what's going on there. So sometimes they get what's called a subluxation. Subluxation. And this is an extremely hot topic within chiropractic and medicine because the medical practitioners will say subluxation doesn't exist. And I would partially actually agree with that because subluxation, as we used to talk about it to patients and as I was really taught in school, was a bone gets out of alignment, pinches a nerve, wherever that nerve travels to, say your heart or your stomach, then you have decreased nerve input to that organ. And as a result of that over time, it leads to uh, dysfunction uh, or disease of that particular organ. Now, can that happen? I, I suppose it probably could happen, but really research probably shows us that's like 5% of the time. So the legitimate thing that we understand now through more advanced research and technologies and being able to look at these things is that due to tension building in the spine, in or around the spine, bad posture, a fall, something you do consistently, sit on your, on your butt with your wallet and your back pocket on the right side and hikes your hip up, you know, due to that consistently over time, it restricts movement of that segment of your spine. As a result of restricted movement within that signal, your, your muscles can't expand and contract appropriately. And as a result of that, your brain doesn't realize what's going on at that particular level, and it creates a blind spot. And so when we have a blind spot, the brain will figure it out. It will guess, and sometimes it guesses inappropriately. And so this is what can lead to a very common thing that happens. How many times has somebody listening out there right now know somebody or maybe happened to themselves where they uh, bent over to pick something up and all of a sudden their back spasmed on them, just out of the blue. Or you kind of felt it jolt a little bit and you had to catch yourself and, and that's, that's the brain guessing wrong. It's contracting certain muscle groups that it shouldn't contract and then neurologically the muscle spasms on you and now you've got guarding and you're leaning to the left for five days and you got to go to the chiropractor or you got to go to your doctor and they say, oh, you got a muscle spasm. You pulled your back. Um, we're going to give you muscle relaxants, anti-inflammatories, painkillers, right? But really, like, what was the reason that occurred? The reason that it occurred wasn't because you you bent over and picked up a super heavy sock. I mean, that's for sure, right? The, the reality is, is that you bent over and when certain muscles were supposed to fire to protect you and work in a coordinated fashion, the brain guessed, it guessed inappropriately and you pulled your back or muscles went into spasm and it, it, just, it just went into dysfunction essentially. So what happens with a chiropractor? You go in the chiropractor, they evaluate you, you got a muscle spasm in your back, we give you stim, we give you heat, we start adjusting you, starting to restore normal movement into that level where you got the spasm and little by little by little the brain goes, okay, I'm getting proper input. Everything's cool. There's no injury down here. Spasm starts to relax and subside. You start to stand up straight again, and your pain eventually goes away after a few days. So that's really the premise of what happens on a dysfunctional level as far as like a lower back pain or a lower back injury as a result of lack of proper movement. 
So getting gentle adjustments to your spine, the way you really want to look at it is that we just want to continue to maintain normal movement patterns within all the segments within your spine from top to bottom. If we can do that, now you have accurate information flowing from the spine to the brain. Your body's perception of, uh, of where it is in space becomes more accurate. And it's almost kind of like fine-tuning a, a, a race car's engine, you know, essentially making sure it's functioning optimal and running really, really well. And so also by doing that, you essentially what you're doing is you're maintaining normal movement, which supplies nutrients to the discs. This is really preventative in uh, having degenerative disc disease, Why? which, by the way, by the age of 80, nearly 100% of the population has because they didn't have normal movement patterns in their certain levels in their spine for too long or traumas, which is another secondary way. Um, but that's why we, it's kind of like no different than I suppose brushing your teeth twice a day and flossing and using fluoride, which is bad. We now know, um, and getting your teeth clean, right? Before we had, uh, like tooth hygiene, like tactics, you know, prior to 1900, everybody had dentures by the time they were 70. Uh, but then we figured out, well, that's stupid. Why don't we prevent people from getting cavities? So same principle. If you want to prevent degenerative disc disease and prevent yourself from getting shorter uh, by an inch or two by the time you get to be 60, 70 years old, then you better make sure that you maintain proper movement patterns throughout your entire spine for your entire life. And so we'll kind of go into what I would recommend towards the end here as far as making that happen. So so let's talk a little bit more about central nervous system because I think that's really, really important. So your brain and your central nervous system is constantly changing. So we call that in, in the neuro, neurology field, neural plasticity. So from one day to the next, your brain has changed. It's not the same. You're learning new things, new neurons are being developed, old ones are dying out. Uh, so you're constantly changing. So what causes this change? Well, again, to start with, your brain receives a constant supply of messages about your body internally and externally of your environment from sensory organs, eyes, ears, nose, mouth, tongue, and so on, like we said, and also from your spine 80% of the time. So your body has like a map, like your brain has a map, a three-dimensional map of your body. And so it's always keeping a tab on what's going on inside and out. It's got to interpret what's going on inside and out again to function normally like we, like we spoke about before. But the interesting thing is how your brain actually interprets or sees a situation isn't necessarily based on 100% reality. It's actually based on your brain's perception of reality. So there are certain biases uh, we could call of the brain, um, but its ability to fill in the gaps makes life more livable. Like if you are paying attention to like every single thing that's occurring in your environment all the time, you would like go out of your mind. Like it, like, like if you're walking down the road and you're like paying attention to every single leaf that's blowing in the breeze on the trees and all every single car that's passing you, like you wouldn't be able to do anything. You would be like constantly stuck in a state of like panic and attack, like figuring out everything that's going on. But it's filling in these gaps that are important. So one of the ways you would probably ask then is, how do I know if I have a subluxation in my spine? If you're trying to tell me that a symptom or a pain, for example, is not the most accurate way to know that. Like, what are some of the obvious things to say, my brain is not getting input from my spine like it's supposed to be? So it is pretty cool. So you ever, like, uh, find yourself for some strange reason, all of a sudden you get clumsy? Like, um, I don't know, like you're walking past and you stub your toe on the uh, coffee room table or you're walking through a door and all of a sudden you're bumping your elbows on the door frame or you're walking and all of a sudden you're tripping on stuff. So being clumsy actually is, is interesting. Uh, maybe one day out of the blue, all of a sudden you golfers are going to love this. Your swing is absolutely terrible and you can't figure out what it is or why it is that your golf swing is absolutely crap you know because the last round you went out and you played and you could do no wrong 
Um, so that might be just perception, you know, where, where your arms are in space, where your, where your club is in space, and maybe your body's not, you think it's in one spot, but it's really not in that same spot, which is really cool because there's a great study that I'm going to talk to you about in a little bit, which actually goes into that. Um, or, you know, maybe you find yourself just totally overreacting to a situation, like a situation you normally are cool as a cucumber dealing with. All of a sudden, it just infuriates you and you're overreacting and you're just not being yourself. So these are, interestingly enough, all things that actually can happen when your spine gets out of alignment and your brain is not reacting appropriately to what's going on with it. So where chiropractic comes into the picture is because, again, with the vertebral subluxations we spoke about earlier, um, and it's altering the way your brain processes information, when we correct those things, those things get better. So, you know, I have a patient that comes in, for example, and he says, I always know when my back is not moving well or getting locked up because my knee starts to hurt on the left-hand side. And again, in and of itself, there's nothing really wrong with his knee. It's just that when his back gets locked up and he doesn't move normally, he puts more weight into his left knee and it starts to irritate his left knee. So that's his cue to come in and actually get checked to make sure his leg length is good, his spine is moving good, and so he walks and functions more normally. So we, what we know also is that your brain receives information about your body and your environment through the sensory organs, as we spoke about. So this is very, very important because those are always going to function pretty well, but again, it's the 80% input, which is the crucial part that you don't really realize is actually going on. So... One little study that was done, actually, that showed this was that they took uh, kids in a college and basically they wanted to analyze whether they had a specific reflex. And so what they were looking for is a a neurological finding called feed-forward activation. And so feed-forward activation is simply like this. When we lift our arm, for example, there are certain muscles within our core that fire, that stabilize our body so that when we lift our arm, we don't like sway to the right. We're going to lift our right arm, for example. And so what they did is that they took a group of 90 healthy students. These were defined, healthy was defined as no incidents of uh, chronic or subacute or injuries to their spine. No pain at the time of the study was being done. And they put these little electrodes on them to analyze when they lifted their arm up to the side, was their muscles going to contract in a timely fashion in order to stabilize their core? And so what they found, actually, is out of the 90 healthy students, 17 of them could not pre-activate their core muscles when they lifted their arm up to the side. Um, Again, and what that would indicate is an instability in the core, and we also know that instabilities in core, as you probably would understand, is makes you more prone to having a lower back injury when we're going to lift something. Six months later, the researchers tested 13 of the 17 people that couldn't pre-activate their core or do the feed-forward activation, and again, they found that most of them still couldn't do it, all right? So they, they let some time lag, the six months to go by, just to make sure that there wasn't any other reason why they couldn't do it. And then they tested them, and all of them, again, couldn't do it. So what they then did is they had them get analyzed by a chiropractor. And when they got analyzed by the chiropractor, what they found was that they were subluxated in the pelvis, meaning that their pelvis was locked up on them, and they weren't moving their pelvis appropriately. And so what they did is they got a single session of chiropractic care. Then they rechecked them. And what they noticed was almost a 40% improvement to their ability to pre-activate their core with one adjustment just by restoring normal movement into that joint, which is really pretty phenomenal. And what I would tell you from that is that, you know, people say, well, how often do you have to go in and get adjusted in order, you know, to get better? And I say, well, maybe in the case when you got 90 healthy students that go to, you know, are going to a college and are, say, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, the answer to that question would be far fewer adjustments, right? But what if you're a person that, you know, maybe in their particular case, were those 17 students that didn't have any pain, didn't have any history of spinal-related issues, and now you fast forward to uh, they're 55 years old, 
and they bent over to pick their sock up off the floor or brush their teeth and their back went into spasm. And now we found out it was because the feed forward activation mechanism wasn't working properly, but the problem obviously had been there, you know, for the last 40 years. And now they have degenerative disc disease and all these other complications going on because they've never been adjusted before. Well, then the answer to that question obviously would be a bit longer um, because it's been there for many, many, many years and their spines have damage at that stage of the game. So back to the study, what's really important is it has big, big implications. You know, number one, again, these, these students had no pain, so you can't rely on that. Um, and we know scientists think that poor control of the core uh, may be the cause of people developing pain or sustaining injury in the future. So this is why I would tell parents it's important to get your kids checked early on because, again, a few adjustments is a lot better than a lot of adjustments 40 years down the road. We also know that people that have low back pain have delayed activation of their core muscles when they're performing various movements. And we also know that their brains are much less aware of what's going on in their spine than the people that have good movement patterns. So this means that brains are not receiving or processing accurate information from the small muscle groups that are close to the spine. So the brains are guessing what's going on in their lower back and therefore may not be controlling their lower back in an ideal way, which again, left unchecked over time, can damage their spines down the road. This is why chiropractic care is important because we can restore normal motion at a very early stage and prevent all these problems from actually occurring. Now, talking about the other study as it pertains to golf, and I know we take care of a lot of golfers uh, that come into our practice at all age levels, um, starting out, novice players that just want to play on the weekend, um, all the way up to the tour level. Uh, where the difference of 1% improved uh, performance is a million dollars in their pocket compared to missing the cut. Uh, so you're talking about fine, fine lines. So what this study did, it took 25 people with low-level neck pain. So they did have neck pain. And 18 healthy people with no pain whatsoever. All right? So they're the control group. And that was the healthy group, as stated. All of the participants were tested with their brain's ability to determine exactly where their elbow joint position was. So what was cool about this one is they used a really sophisticated, uh, not super sophisticated, but it was an electronic device that can determine the angle of your arm. So what they did is they took both groups and they said, we, uh, we're going to position your angle uh, of your arm. We're going to measure that angle with this device. We're going to put your arm down at your side. And all we want you to do is reproduce the angle as close to the angle we originally put your arm as possible. And we're going to see who does better. And so the 25 people that had low-level neck pain did it, and the 18 people with no neck pain whatsoever did it. What's interesting is when they did it is the control coupe with no neck pain whatsoever was really, really good at reproducing the angle. Like they did phenomenal at it. Whereas the group with the low-level neck pain didn't do nearly as well at reproducing the angle that they had originally put their elbows at. Now, how does this pertain to golf? Because when it comes to swinging a golf club, you have to try to reproduce the exact swing as close to possible every single time to be accurate so that you're consistent. If you're swinging one time and your club's up at 20 degrees and the next time you swing with trying to do, reproduce the same result, it's at 15 degrees, it's not even close to the same result. Now back to the control group, the group with the neck pain after this was given a chiropractic adjustment and then they were asked to do the same exact thing and after one single adjustment, they were just as effective at reproducing the angle as the control group was with no level neck pain, whatever. This study is really cool because it shows that improving the function of your spine can not only help your brain see what's going on in your spine, but also improve the way your brain can see what's going on with your arms. Very, very important as it pertains to golf. Very, very important as it pertains to anything as a sport where you're using your arm and trying to do certain things. Um, but there's a lot more studies that have been done. So they have studies on visual acuity. So the ability after you get adjusted to see better. The ability after you get adjusted for reaction times improves. Um, your ability to learn and process and interpret new material that you're learning actually improves. Your ability to uh, sense where your joints are in space, uh, specifically as it pertains to the elderly. So in reducing fall risk, when you get regular adjustments, 
your reaction time improves. So let's just say you're elderly and uh, you're walking and all of a sudden you catch your foot something. One of the most important things is two. Number one, reaction time. So if you can catch yourself before you fall, that's very, very important. But also your ability to, um, when your ankle wobbles or stuff like that, for you to regain your balance before the fall occurs is equally as important as well. So the in prevention of fall risks for the elderly, chiropractic is huge. Improve spinal function, as we stated, in order to move better, be more functional in nature, um, prevent your spine from deteriorating over time as we get older is, is crucial. They also did another great study as it pertained to people who um, are athletes in muscle fatigue. And so what was cool about it uh, is that they had people do leg curls. And when they were doing the leg curls, they would assess same person, essentially, how many leg curls with a specific amount of weight could they do before they got so fatigued they couldn't physically lift the weight anymore. And so they evaluated them and got their baselines put together. All they simply did in, went in, they evaluated their pelvis and their lower backs, and they gave them chiropractic adjustments to dysfunctional segments that weren't moving that well. And then they retested them, and what they actually noticed is they got significantly stronger they not only surpassed the normal rep schemes they had as baselines, they actually got stronger as the movement went on. The limitation to that study was we don't know how long that neurological effect lasts for. And it wasn't actually because of the fact that their muscles were any stronger. It was the ability of their neurons to contract the muscles longer and harder uh, than their baseline uh, performance is the reason why they got better with time and actually were stronger from that. Um, so that went into the prevention of muscle fatigue. So just, you know, with some of those examples like we've given here today, um, you know, you may ask yourself, well, okay, on a practical level then, like what do you recommend so far as prevention? What do you recommend so far as performance, you know, in order that I keep my spine moving good so it's giving proper input to my brain and proper input uh, to my brain about my environment and you know, is there different rules of thumb? So in the regards to prevention of deterioration of your spine and degenerative disc disease, I think that there's a lot of good research out there that really shows just due to normal activities of daily living. So ruling out, you know, aggressive forms of exercise, immense uh, amounts of stress on your spine as a result of, say, sitting in a desk job 40 hours a week. Uh, so we're just talking kind of normal stuff, you know, like, you're up and about, you're moving around, you're doing your thing, you're resisting gravity, you're working out maybe on a regular basis, you know, three, four times a week in the gym, doing some cardio, stuff like that, like low resistance weight training. So not the, it's kind of just average middle of the road type activities. I would tell you probably to get adjusted about every two weeks would be important to maintain normal mobility, normal movement patterns, prevention of degenerative disc disease in the spine. Um, and there was one really good research study done in that regards as it pertained to rats, and so what they did is they pinned the vertebrae of a rat together, and then they analyzed on MRI how long it took before that disc started to break down. There was one study in uh, Italy. There's another study as it, they did it in Japan, um, and the range was somewhere between 10 to 14 days of lack of mobility at a cellular level starts to break down the disc between two immobilized segments. So if we take that back to a real-world example with humans, although there hasn't been a human trial because we haven't found a human that's volunteered to have their spine pinned together um, at two segments and then go through this. Uh, at the end of the day, I kind of say, you know, we do a lot of our research on animals and we and then we take that research and we project it to humans uh, as it pertains to recommendations and drugs and medications and such. So I would simply say, although a human is upright and a rat is more like, I guess, I don't even know, perpendicular to the ground, um, so they don't have as many axial forces on the spine like a human upright walking does. Uh, at the same time, I say, why take the risk? Get adjusted every 10 to 14 days. Then if you're talking about somebody above and beyond, a high-end athlete, you're, again, at a desk job, 40 hours a week, tremendous stress on your spine. You're in, um, you know, you're pouring concrete for work every day. You're lifting heavy stuff. You work for UPS. You're working for Amazon delivering packages. You're just... You're putting a lot of stress on your spine. I would say once a week uh, is, a good, is a good thing to do. And it's why we offer our wellness plans at our practice that you know, includes basically coming in you know, once a week. So you can come in you know, four or five times a month, depending if there's five weeks in the month, 
uh, and get your spine adjusted on a regular basis, you perform better, your immune system's better, you sleep better, your energy levels are better. Um, you just, you function like a high, high end race car, you know, and I see it all the time, especially kids. I mean, they're, they're born to be healthy and it's amazing to see when kids get adjusted on a regular basis, how they express life and develop super, super healthy immune systems and do well in school and excel at sports and all the different things that kids should be, should be doing, obviously. So again, prevention of degenerative disease once every 10 to 14 days, like high end race car, super, super good performance, you know, once a week getting massage, you know, once every two weeks to once a month, keep the muscles moving good, keep tension, stretching, exercise, good diets, all the other healthy habits, because it's not just chiropractic. I mean, certainly if, if chiropractic adjustments gave you everything that you wanted, as far as your health is concerned, that would be awesome. But the, the fact is obviously that health being your most important asset, as I always say, there's, there's a lot of facets to, to health and things you got to work at. And so I would tell you that I work really hard. And uh, if you look at my supplement cabinet, it, uh, it's full. <laughs> and I take, and I don't like to take supplements all day long and, and figure out when I'm going to do it. But, you know, it's, it's work, it's meditation, it's, it's exercise, it's a lot of the stuff. But you, like anything else, if it's important to you and health should be because it's your most important asset, those are things you got to work at really, really hard at. And it should be your, your first thing that you think about when you wake up in the morning to the last thing you think about before you go to bed at night because sleep is important too. So hopefully you've learned some stuff here today uh, on a neurological level and chiropractic and how it can improve the health of you and your family. Um, share this with as many people as you can because the, the word's got to get out that bones don't go out of alignment and pinch nerves, but it's lack of movement and lack of input to your brain that really affects your brain's ability to respond appropriately to your environment and to what's going on in your body. And when you combine that with all the other things as it pertains to health, with uh, a good positive mental attitude, good sleep patterns, good nutrition, good exercise habits, those will pay dividends uh, later on in life. And uh, when pandemics like this happen right now, you'll be sitting on the side that says, I'm not too worried about everything going on right now because I know I've done my homework and, and, and put the work in uh, to, to get me to where I am today. So thank you for tuning in to another uh, Evolve Wellness Experience episode. And I look forward to seeing you next month as it pertains to our next health topic. Thank you.